Thank you, Katie. Good morning. Let's begin uh, just praying and giving thanks to the Lord. All right, will you pray with me? Father God, we pause here this morning and bow before you, giving you thanks and praise for who you are, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Thank you that you are a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we give you thanks, Father, for the privilege it has been to study your written word. So, Father, be with us here this morning and um, have your way with each one of us, Father. Open up our minds and change us. We ask this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Well, good to see you all. Well, here we are, right? Here we are, the last Wednesday um, of our study in Habits of the Heart. And um, as I thought about our time here, I thought really and truly, uh, God has spoken to us, right? Um, corporately, together he has spoken to us through his word, and individually, right? We have spent the last several months gathering together and opening up his word. And so God has communicated to us through his written word, right? We spent time uh, in the book of Deuteronomy in God's word. We've shared life together, um, but personally and individually, each one of us have uh, experienced life while in his word. So God has spoken to us and communicated to us through his word. Sometimes I think, um, sometimes I think that we forget that these are the very words of God, the very words of God um, written to us. So when I, sometimes I forget that, but I think, you know, we see, we come in and we carry our Bibles, right? And we probably have several Bibles in our homes. And sometimes I like to just leave one open. I don't know, sometimes they're all closed, but sometimes I just like there to be like an open Bible in our home. That's God's word. God's word just open and speaking to us. So um, what a privilege it has been, hasn't it? Well, we have spent time learning from real people at a real place in a real time under a real covenant, right? A real place, real time, real people. And so I know this has been mentioned several times this year, but here I am, I'm going to mention it again. <laughs> we have been thinking about this grand story of God's redemption from beginning to end, right? We've spent time in this place, um, really in the place of our forefathers, our history. Uh, spent time in these scriptures that are ours, history of God's people, our brothers and sisters at this time in God's story. Real people, real places, real time. Same God. And here we are today, right? Real people in a real place, in a real time, under a new covenant. Same God. Same need, same God. Same need, problem of man's heart, same God. So um, here we are living, we can learn from the past, we're living in the present, and we too, like they were, are looking ahead. 
Well, I want you to know, and maybe you've already uh, thought about doing this or, or are doing this, but if you want to know the rest of the story, if you want to continue on in this place in God's story, following Deuteronomy, Joshua we just picks right up uh, where Deuteronomy leaves off. So you could spend time in that book and just see the rest, not really the whole rest, but the rest of that story where it picks up. Well, we can and we have learned much from the past, haven't we? Really, and you think about even in our own lives, do you ever just look back and you think, oh, wow, you know, God was teaching me that there, his faithfulness there in my life. But we can look uh, all the way back, right, to the time that we have spent in Deuteronomy, and we can learn much. One of the major themes, God called his people to remember. The importance of remembering that has come to surface several times throughout our study, hasn't it? God causes people to remember, remember, remember. Remember who he is. A faithful, covenant-keeping God. And what, what he demands of his people. The proper response to a holy, holy, holy God. Remember. We learned of God's commandments and the Israelites' inability to obey them. We learned of our human condition the heart of man, our lost state, our hopelessness, our helplessness, and our desperate need. And haven't we found ourselves right there with them? Haven't we? Uh, I'm ashamed to say a few days ago, um, I was in a conversation with someone, a couple of people, and they began to complain about this fickle weather and the whole cold, hot, cold, hot, the warm, the delay of spring and the winter we've had. And I chimed right in, grumbling like the Israelites. I thought, I have a circumcised heart. I have a, you know, we've been, right? We, we oftentimes throughout our study, have you done this? You've looked at, you've, we've talked, we've learned from our, from our uh, brothers and sisters then. And we thought, well, you know, um, they just needed, like us, to have, you know, they just needed the Holy Spirit, and they needed a circumcised heart. Then they would respond differently. I don't always, re you know, we don't respond differently all the time, right? But haven't we found ourselves right there with the Israelites? Same problem, same need, but under a new covenant. Well, we have certainly learned of the grace of God, haven't we? That overarching theme of this whole book, the grace of God. Were you surprised by the grace that you have found in this Old Testament book of Deuteronomy? This narrative that we have spent time studying, how often we have seen and learned from God's grace? Well, it caused me to look at my own life with uh, fresh eyes and find, even be surprised by the grace of God. What has he done in my own life? Have you thought about that? Um, where have I seen his grace? Where have I missed his grace? In the past, today, um, oftentimes um, there it is and, and, and we miss it or we forget to notice it or I forget to stop and give thanks to it. So we have, we have moment by moment God's grace, don't we? We have daily his grace. We, have, um, we experience his grace in so many ways, um, the life that we're able to choose, right? Um, daily, moment by moment by moment. But yet, I think I have never been more surprised by God's grace in my own life than my own uh, time of receiving 
uh, by faith, salvation in Christ. I think of um, growing up and knowing about God, but not having a personal relationship that he offers through his son, Jesus. And it was the very words of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, said, by grace you have been saved. And this is a gift from God um, that I was able to, the Lord used that time, extended his grace to me, lifting those living words off of the pages for me on that moment, on that day, and opened my eyes. Um, so never have I been more surprised than that moment of God's grace. We've learned much about his grace, haven't we? And he calls us to give freely that which we have received. He says, freely you have received, freely give. So we see grace exchanged and given, right, with one another. I'm always surprised by a friend who extends me grace where I um, maybe see something in my life or um, just covers it with love. Surprised by grace. Um, we can look uh, throughout um, the history of our country, can't we? And we say, God's grace. I think about um, traveling to see my mother last spring to deliver the news that she had just lost a son five months after she'd lost her husband. And her response, I was surprised by grace. Her response was, well, God just saw me through it. He'll see me through it again, this time of grieving surprised by God's grace. There are so many things, aren't there, in our lives that just can't be explained any other way but the grace of God. So I hope that I keep my eyes open, fresh grace in my life and seeing that and giving thanks. So we learn from the past. Today, we, God's people, his church, are living in the present under a new covenant, a covenant of grace. In Christ, uh, you and I have been given a new heart, a circumcised heart. And by grace, God the Father has sent the Son to do that which we could not do for ourselves. Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life. It has been said that on the cross, where we see the most beautiful display of the grace of God, Jesus took upon himself all of the curses we deserved in order that we might receive the blessings he deserved. Only Jesus obeyed God's covenant commandments perfectly. He took the curse and death we deserved so that you and I could choose life and receive this life. So the most beautiful display of the very grace of God is the cross. And sometimes, do you just look at that and just think about that. The ultimate gift of grace springing forth from the unfathomable mercy of God's own heart. The love, mercy, and grace of God for his people. Grace. Divine enablement. Grace. Well, how many times uh, throughout our study have you, I'm sure you have, just stopped and said, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for sending the Son to do that which I could never do. Thank you, Jesus. We should have been moved to an overwhelming sense of gratitude. And we can rest in the finished work. Rest 
in the finished work of Christ. Charles Spurgeon writes, Israel rested safely in the wilderness, in the shadow of the pillar of cloud and the flowing rock that gave the weary pilgrims sweet rest. At this hour, we, God's people, rest in the promises of our faithful God, in the covenant of his grace, which is a haven of delight. The person of Jesus is the quiet resting place of his people. Isn't that beautiful? In Christ, Jesus is that quiet resting place for his people. Rest. It's just a good word to say, isn't it? As Christians today, we now live in the rest that Jesus offers. No longer striving, working to attain salvation, but resting in the unsearchable riches, unlimited resources of God. Peace and rest. So it reminds me of the words we find in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. <clears throat> Jesus invites those still oppressed by the burden of religious legalism to himself. He invites them to his self, to the sweet, to the sweet rest that he offers. He says this, and these are just good, fresh words to hear of the rest that Jesus offers. Come to me, he says. He invites Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't those just refreshing words to our ears? So freedom from works and rest for our souls. So sometimes I can get caught up in, even though I'm aware of this rest and we experience this rest in Christ, oftentimes, sometimes we can get caught up in working, right? Working to attain maybe, maybe a greater satisfaction or maybe he'll be more pleased with me or maybe he'll love me more. And you don't even consciously think about that, right? But Jesus says, my yoke, so get up underneath my yoke. It's, 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 it's light, it's refreshing, it's easy. So taking off the yoke of slavery, the yoke of works. And so this is what we find in the rest found in Jesus. Rest for our souls. So we learn from the past, we're living in the present, and we look forward to the promise of Christ's return. So what, and Eric mentioned this last week, right? But what, what were the people, the Israelites then looking forward to, right? And then here we are in history today. And what is it that we we're looking for? Well, we're looking for Christ's return. Well, he'll, he'll come and make all things new, right? A new heaven, a new earth that John recorded for us in Revelation. Revelation 21, we can think about, we can read and be encouraged by. So we look forward. We live in this realm of now and not yet, Right? We look back and we live and we look forward to the promises that will yet to be fulfilled. We can look and see the faithfulness of God in and we can look ahead to the fulfillment of his promises yet to come. So really, the Christian life is built not only on the present, but with the unseen future by faith. 
right? By faith. Well, God is covenantly committed to being true to his names. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is covenantly committed to being true to his attributes by which he has revealed himself to his people. And haven't we learned much of God's attributes, who he is, uh, all throughout our study? So the eternal foundational truth is that God is. He is I am. And he delights to reveal himself to us that we may know him. We continue to know him better. He delights in this. All through his word, God intends for us to know him through his ways, his works, his attributes, and his names. Right? In each one of those, we can know him better. Now, isn't that something in itself, too? That the God who spoke creation into being wants you to know him intimately. And he reveals this of himself through his word, his ways, his works, his attributes, and his names. So we have learned our most high God is immutable. And I love that, don't you? He's changeless. He's immutable. Is there anything else in your life you can say that about, right? He's immutable. He's changeless. He is, God is always and always will be, he can't be otherwise, the same in his nature, his character, and his will. Faithful, right? So different time, different people, different place, different place in his story of history, but an unchanging, immutable God. So everything else in this world has attached to it change, right? Thing, all, thing, all other things in your life and in our world are changing. But God and man's souls are the immutable, unchanging. We've learned through our study that he is a jealous God, a wrathful God, and a holy God. He's faithful, long-suffering, and just. And at the same time, he's all of these. He's merciful. He's a God who sees, hears, and understands. Caring deeply for the widow, the orphan the sojourner. God is, was, and is intimately involved in the lives of his people. By his very nature, God is love. His love is limitless, steadfast, and unconditional for those he created. We can just study those and continue studying all of those and continue learning of those, right, and learning about him and um, never understand it fully. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about the son, Jesus. No other name under heaven, right? And our hope today, today is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest friend, but we wholly lean on Jesus' name, the power, the person of Jesus. So looking ahead to the next time we come to uh, this place in the fall and we gather together again and we open God's word and we allow him to speak to us, we're going to hear from God as he speaks to us uh, through the book of Hebrews. 
All right, so get excited uh, with us. Uh, it's been decided that that's what we'll study next fall. And that book is all about uh, Jesus. All about um, we'll find and we'll study and we'll learn more about him as this book reveals uh, Jesus to us as God's glory, the captain uh, of our salvation, the seed of Abraham, the great high priest. He's a king of righteousness, the king of peace. Uh, he's the, uh, the great high priest, the mediator, intercessor. He's God himself. He's the glory of God. He's the exact reputation of his being. We will learn all about him. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> um, in fact, if, I'm thinking, you know, in fact, as you study next year and you may not um, have the right answer, you've probably heard this before, but as the child said in the Sunday school class and the teacher said, so let me ask you class, what is it that's brown, furry, with a large tail and climbs trees in the child? Remember this? says, well, it sounds like squirrel, but pretty sure the answer is supposed to be Jesus. Well, next year, the answer can always be Jesus. As we study these Hebrews, he's all throughout. In fact, it's a great book to follow what we've been studying. Um, he is greater than Moses. He's our mediator. He's our intercessor. He's our king, our priest, and the prophet. So we'll talk about the superiority, the supremacy, and the deity of Christ right in the first chapter. We learn that he's the sole expression of the glory of God, the radiance of the divine and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power, Jesus. Remember when Moses asked God to show him his glory? Remember that? And God said, I'll pass by you with my goodness. But God himself saw our need, our problem, man's need, and he himself became flesh. He came, dwelt among us, lived among us, died, rose again, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. There, Jesus. So um, I, I want you to think about that um, and think about what that means for you today that seated at the right hand of the Father is the one who is interceding on your behalf. Whatever it is you're experiencing right now, at this moment, today, at this moment, whatever it is you're experiencing, he's aware. And he's interceding on your behalf. Something to think about, right? So he is the exact representation of the Father. He's our great high priest our intercessor who lives forever to make intercession for us. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer writes, there is a glorified man, there is a glorified man on the right hand of the majesty in heaven, faithfully representing us there. We are left for a season among men. Let us faithfully represent him here. Let me read that again. There is a glorified man on the right hand of the majesty in heaven, faithfully representing us there. We are left for a season among men. Let us faithfully represent him here.
So through the person and work of Jesus, the new covenant promise was fulfilled. Our mediator, the builder of his church, and he's the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So think about in the months ahead as you pray and think about just the name of Jesus and all that you already know and all that you will know and you will learn uh, through our study next fall and think about the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And in closing right now here this morning before you go on to your groups one more time, uh, you can stand if you want and worship. You can stay seated and close your eyes. But let this song that we're going to listen to on the beautiful name of Jesus be a time of worship, even a time of prayer for you. All right? And then you'll be dismissed.